there have been uh, overwhelming at times shortcomings and 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 purposeful uh, whitewashing of of our history carried out through the textbooks that we have given to school children uh, and the and the lessons that we have taught and and then to say to people now a, a, as we acknowledge those things that. You can't go back and attempt to rectify them because doing so would, it, oh, it would make the poor children, uh, the parents of whom you've indoctrinated for decades, would, it, it, they're, they're too fragile for this. And if, they, if you did it, they would hate their country. They would hate their, their uh, classmates who don't look like them. It would just be, oh, there's no way that we can do this. Uh, it's time for another episode of your favorite Alabama political podcast that occurs weekly, um, and uh, really the only one, uh, but still your favorite because you, you love it, and we give you the great episodes every week, and uh, yep. uh, this is Alabama Politics This Week, uh, Josh Moon and David Person. Oh man, we're uh, we're happy to be here. It's going to be a uh, going to be a good show, uh, probably the best that we've ever we've ever produced uh that's right uh represent <laughs> marika coleman is going to join us and uh try to talk about uh you know the redistricting stuff uh, that's coming up um uh or gerrymandering really uh as we could just probably just call it that because that's what they're going to do mm-hmm. um uh, republicans are in charge in this state and they're they're going to make sure that they remain that way um and and her run for for the state senate i'd also like to ask her about what will will ultimately be our our main story to, to open this thing which which is um, uh, the Alabama State Board of Education today has banned the teaching of critical race theory. Um, now, this uh, this will affect essentially zero classrooms in the state of Alabama because nobody in K through twelve is teaching mm-hmm. um, critical race theory, um, but. I suppose it will have some level, given you know some of the wordings of the uh, of the actual statute and things. And I'm, I'm going to try to pull that up in just a second and 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 read it for you. But uh, it will it will have a a bit of a chilling effect, I would say, on on the teaching of actual history. Right. Um, right. And, and I think that's what we're that's what we're after here. Right. Yeah. But, um, that's uh, it. We want to we want to make sure that we're not. Uh, uh, we're we're not teaching an accurate history. We want to make sure that uh, we're 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 covering up the sins of the past, and that America and Alabama are great great places for everybody. All men are created equal, and that's the way we've always been. Those are the founding principles of this country, and we have always lived up to those principles. Correct. That's it. That's it. It's a it's a it's absolute whitewash. Uh, it's a whitewash using. Um, uh, you know, it's a it's an attempt to whitewash, but unfortunately, they're using um, what I would call a shit colored, uh, you know, brush and paint to whitewash. Uh, and I'm going to say and I'm and I'm yeah, I'm being you know, I don't normally get that profane, but I'm you know, at least not on the podcast, but I'm going to do it in this particular case because it is it is that abhorrent and disturbing to me. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and I think that what we are, 
what we're facing here is it is so reminiscent to me, Josh, of what I have read happened at the turn of the century of the 20th century, where um, where there was a conscientious effort made to uh, to dehumanize uh, the the recently freed slaves to to institute uh, a proxy for slavery and to create an America that was going to, uh, you know, ultimately vindicate white supremacy. And so mm-hmm. this whitewashing, you know, I think is is another part of that. It's another piece of that puzzle to 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 really just create uh, a bunch of lies and propaganda that are designed to minimize or eliminate, you know, the evil that really was embedded in the founding of this country. And I don't know how, how, what other words you can use. I don't know what other word you can use other than evil when you talk about slavery, when you talk about Jim Crow, when you talk about convict leasing and lynching, when you talk about land theft, when you talk about what happened to the indigenous people of this country with uh, the Trail of Tears and forcing them on reservations, when you talk about what happened to uh, Asian immigrants, when you talk about what happened, quite frankly, even to ethnic white immigrants. You know, mm-hmm. uh, who came to this country? I don't know what else you can say. Uh, what else? How? Any other way you can frame it, other than to say that it was evil, and yet, and yet, these people who are in opposition to a truthful telling of history would try to have us think that there was some virtue. You know, there was some virtue in the the social and political and economic construction of our country. It's absolutely mm-hmm. outrageous, abhorrent, and and just damn appalling. Yeah, it um, it, it is uh, appalling all the way around. And and what what is more, I I can't say more appalling, but I, I can I can certainly say I think that it's almost as appalling. Um, is is to recognize that there have been uh, overwhelming at times shortcomings and 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 purposeful uh, whitewashing of of our history carried out through the textbooks that we have given to school children uh, and the and the lessons that we have taught and and then to say to people. Now, as we acknowledge those things, that you can't go back and attempt to rectify them because doing so would, oh, it would make the poor children, uh, the parents of whom you've indoctrinated for decades, would, they're they're too fragile for this. And Mm. if they, if you did it, they would hate their country. They would hate their, their uh, classmates who don't look like them. It would just be, Oh, there's no way that we can do this. And uh, let me read. Uh, this is a, a portion of a fourth grade textbook. 
All right, this this is this is actual textbook from from Alabama that was given to school children in Alabama. With all the drawbacks of slavery, it should be noted that slavery was the earliest form of social security in the United States. Oh my it was the God. legal responsibility of the master to take care of aged workers. It was against the law to emancipate a slave after he was too old to work. The master was responsible for looking after his overage slaves. It is true that the average ages to which slaves lived were less than those of the whites, but this difference was not great, and a similar difference exists between the races today oh my god mm-hmm. yeah that is outrageous oh well here's more would you like to hear more uh no plantation had a model group of slaves for planters had to buy whatever slaves they could get some slaves were good workers and very obedient many took pride in what they did and loved their cabins and the plantations as much as if they actually owned them oh others god. were lazy disobedient and sometimes vicious oh my god Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, these were in textbooks. So the enslaved are the victimized. I mean, the the mm-hmm. the. I'm sorry, the enslaved were not the victims. It was the it was the the the. <laughs> My God, it was the it mm-hmm. was the owners who were the victims yeah. of the evil slaves, the lazy, wicked slaves. Oh, absolutely! My yeah. God, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, there was you know this was, um, the and here oh, mercy. Mm. Uh, this is for uh, n- no Alabama is the textbooks, fourth grade textbook uh, that was handed out to, to generations of, of Alabama students. The loyal white men of Alabama saw they could not depend on the laws of the state government to protect their families. They knew they had to do something to bring back law and order to get the government back in the hands of honest men who knew how to run it. They held their courts in the dark forest at night. They passed sentence on the criminals and they carried out the sentence. Sometimes the sentence would be to leave the state. After a while, the Klan struck fear in the hearts of the carpetbaggers and other lawless men who had taken control of the state. The Negroes, who had been fooled by the false promises of the carpetbaggers, decided to get themselves jobs and settle down to make an honest living. Many of the Negroes in the South remained loyal to the white Southerners, even though they had lately been freed from slavery. Even though they had no education, they knew who their friends were. That is such a bunch of bullcrap. Uh, I mean, it, just, these books it goes not, on and on. Yeah, these books are not currently in circulation, though, right? Oh, no, 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 no. They, these, but they were in circulation for years. As yeah. a matter of fact, most of these things came from from our, our friend John Archibald. Um, uh, he included a lot of them in his book. Mm. And uh, he sent me a few, and and, um, and and he's posted several of them on Twitter. So you can you can follow him and, and read that. I mean, it's just, and, and it goes on and on and on. He talks also about, uh, you know, how our state constitution was written and the way, uh, I mean, it's one of the most racist documents in existence right. uh, uh, today. And it, and it sets out in it, it sets out not only a system for funding education and for funding our state government that is inherently racist and built on white supremacy. I mean, and listen, and, and I don't say that as though I've read through this thing and I, this is my astute, you know, uh, definition that I've come up with. That, that After studying this thing, I have come to this conclusion mm-hmm. that it's racist. It's openly racist. Right. They talk about white supremacy in the thing, and and I mean, it's, it, this is they're not they don't even try to hide it uh, of what they're doing and how they're building this thing. And we still have this. And while we have gone back and tried to correct some of the language and some of the most obvious racist portions of this, our funding systems for education are still built on these things. Mm-hmm. It's I mean on these premises, and we've sued. Uh, matter of fact. We had one hell of a lawsuit going in the 80s yep. uh, over this. And you know who stepped in the way of that one? Everybody's friendly little uh, racist elf 
Jeff Sessions. Mm. Uh, got, got, he was the attorney general of the state at that time. And he was going to, uh, they, they were absolutely going to rectify the funding situation for Alabama schools and make sure that the more impoverished schools got more state funds to bring them up to the levels of our, our more influ- uh, affluential schools. Right. And it, he stopped it. He fought it all the way, fought it, fought it all the way through federal court, put a stop to the whole thing. And, you know, well, so. You know, the one thing I'll say about Jeff Sessions is I give him credit for this. He's never hidden who he is. <laughs> he's always, he's always, I think, been a proud neo-Confederate. And as far as I can tell, he continues to be, as far as I can tell. And I say that because he has not, to my knowledge, ever recanted uh, any of his previous positions that were overtly neo-Confederate. So... You know, I give him credit for that, you know. Um, you know, I've, I've met with Sessions. I've, you know, talked with Sessions. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't think that he looked at me with hatred. But I do believe without question that Jeff Sessions is a white supremacist. Without question. And, and I think that because of his, of his neo-Confederate, um, you know, positions of the past. Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree. Um, I listen, you know, the, the new racism uh, of today is not a guy wearing a hood and burning a cross. Right. It's not, right. you know, it's the guy like Jeff Sessions that's smiling in front of you, smiling and shaking your hand and then doing everything he can to disenfranchise you to, uh, you know, to, to stab you in the back to, you know, to, uh, make sure to make sure that there is no piece of legislation that might benefit people of color that gets through, gets past him. There is no, never, and there's never a problem as far as he can, he's concerned that he can't blame on people of color. Uh, you know, if, uh, that's his whole MO. And in a lot of ways, it's Mo Brooks's MO. Uh, you know, it's yeah. uh, uh, that's what he does. Uh, yeah, that's You look back at what he's, go back, this is all online. Go back and look at every bill he sponsored. Ninety uh, percent of them, ninety percent plus of them, have to do with illegal immigration or immigrants, yeah. uh, and so, and some perceived slight that he uh, that you know that they have created in this country, and it's it's all it's all so ridiculous and so offensive, and it's just man, you know, it just gets me uh, to to watch people now. Take this tag, and I, I'll tell you, I, I was watching Bill Maher last weekend, which I, I very rarely watch the show, but it happened to be on, and and I, and I was watching it, and he has critical race theory all wrong as well. Uh, I mean, it, because he's in there talking about how, well, you know, what is critical race theory? If it's the teaching of, you know, that that uh, that white people are are oppressing black people, I'm not, I'm not oppressing anybody. You know, why should I? Why, why should I be held responsible? You know, that's not, it's not what it is, you moron. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's about systems and context, social, political, economic systems and context. It's not about the individual uh, sins or, or racist acts or white supremacist acts of, of people. It's about systems and context. So yes. you're right. He does have it wrong. But, but if I can say this, as a black parent, even though my son is a grown, fully grown man at this point, mm-hmm. as a black parent, I feel that the onus is, again, continues to be on black parents to teach their children the history 
Uh, it's uh, the onus is on, you know, progressive and, and conscious, uh, you know, uh, white parents and, and, and parents mm-hmm. of other colors and ethnicities to teach their children the history. And we can't rely on the school system. We can't rely on society. We can't rely on Hollywood or the church. We've got to, in our homes, do this. You know, we've got to make sure that our young people are reading, you know, the works of people like Nathan McCall and uh, and uh, ta Coates and, and even going back further, James Baldwin, Ida B. Wells. We have to we have to take responsibility for that. No, I, I agree. And, and, and let me say this. We we, we were talking on our uh, we have a little Zoom call with the, the folks who work at APR um, a week and we were talking on there about. Uh, different different things uh, and and the critical race theory portion popped up and we were ta- we were discussing it and and about little kids because I and, and another girl that works there with us that does ad sales uh, we we both have young really young kids and uh, and we were talking about uh, she was saying that uh, that there were a couple of of black kids in in her son's class and and when she was asking him about them the way he referred to them was not the little black kids. Uh, it was about, you know, their pant, the color of the pants they had on or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, same way with my daughter. When I, when I'll go pick her up in the, uh, in the evenings from daycare, a lot of times it's the only kids remaining in the class are her and a little black girl who's in there. And, uh, she didn't know her name for a long time. And she described her as the little black haired girl. Uh, you know, and so she was describing the color of her hair. Now, I say that not to say, well, listen, the kids don't see color or race. That's not it. Mm-hmm. What, what I'm saying is, is they're a blank slate. Yeah. You know, that's what, this is where you're starting. You can fill their heads with anything at that point about this. And you're, you're a hundred percent right, David, in what you're saying about this, because it's, you can, you can make kids that, that are angry and, and uh, hostile and, um and 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 hold people to the to those ridiculous uh, stereotypes and things, or you can you can teach them uh, a true history of things, help them to understand what's going on, why people have have landed in the spot that they they're in, what has taken place in the history of this state and in this country, and and you can sh- you can hold them in any way you want to, and you owe it to them and everybody else. To do it the best that you can, and to be as kind as and compassionate, and instill that in them uh, all the way. I mean, because it is, it literally is just a, a complete. That's how they think. Is it's it's not they have they have no idea about black and white and all this other stuff. It's just you can do it any way you want to, and and why we don't choose to do it the best way. I just I just don't I don't know. I don't know why you would want to raise children that would be unkind. That's what I don't yeah. understand. Well, um, I, I think I, I think the focus know. probably, Josh, and and I and I think you're right to focus on that uh, the question of kindness. But, but I think the real the real fear that people have is loss of status, loss of quality of life, loss of power, um, and so ultimately they're trying to protect their advantage, you know, and, and I, and, 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 you know, there's a, the, the selfish human side of me understands that because I think, you know, all groups, 
are uh, have a propensity to do that. You know, men do it with women. Straights do it with LGBTQ people. Uh, you know, people that have ability uh, who don't have any disabilities do it with people with disabilities. The young do it with the old, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, we have that propensity, uh, but but we have to fight that propensity. It's not right. It's not moral. And I'm not saying that, you know, from a religious standpoint as a Christian person. I mean, this transcends faith. This 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 morality that I'm talking about transcends faith and religion and denominations and all that. It's just a basic human understanding, you know, dictates that we should want a society where everybody has the same opportunities, where everybody is treated with the same level of respect, and where everybody is equally safe to pursue happiness as they see fit, as long as they don't trample on the rights of others. And yet we have people, like you're saying, who, you know, they have, a, they have because of their own motivations, uh, they're willing to trample on the rights of others and, and deprive others of opportunity because they th- they think somehow to make them safe. And it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And and it's it, man, it's just, you know, it's it's disappointing to see this, to see our the folks that lead the our school systems, uh, you know, the school uh, public education in the state uh, to pass such a, you know, such a short sighted and and I think ultimately harmful. Uh, you know, because I, I'll tell you this, I, if I were a, a history teacher in this state, it would really piss me off to, to watch what happened mm-hmm. there today. Because uh, you're basically now telling me that I, I don't know how to teach uh, history to children, uh, you know, an accurate history to children. And um, and and that you're worried that somehow I might offend, you know, sensitive parents by telling them by telling their children things that actually occurred. Uh, you know, I mean, and and that's uh I, it just it irritates me to no end. You know the the way we have just kind of devolved into this. Uh, the people are so fragile. You know they're so scared of every every little thing, every little challenge to their their small world. I mean, putting a mask on for God's sakes is you know just tearing mm-hmm. people apart now. Uh, apparently, which we'll talk about that <laughs> later. And uh, but it's just. I don't know, man. I, I I don't even know what to think about people anymore. Uh, it's just honestly, it's just what are y'all doing out there? You know what? What the hell is going on at y'all's house? Uh, this is you know, I mean for real. And listen, and, and we and you're right. Yeah, there's all sorts of discrimination out there. There's all sorts of things that people do. You know, young, old, black, white, uh, male, female, all that, and it's all wrong. It, Unless it's about Alabama fans, then it's all right. Okay, you can discriminate against Alabama fans all you'd like, and then uh, ah. the the Bammers have it coming, and uh. they know it. Uh, they've been cheating for years, and so that's how you know. So that's um. That's but funny. no, listen. Uh, in, in all honesty, well, and, and look, look here, here's just be just be nice and funny to people, and you, you can give each other hell about about things in a in a joking right. way, you know, but. But you know, teach your kids the 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 right history. Teach your kids what happened. You know, it, it's so much better. It's so much easier to get along with people and to, uh, you know, you go to bed at night and you're you're happy. You know, it's just it really is. It's really nice to 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 get along with people mm-hmm. for the most part and to and to understand and not put people down. And um, so you know, and the only people I put down are people that just you know want to put down people. That's you know, and I they think have that's it coming, fair. Right? I think that's fair. 
Yeah, well, it's there an opera. Now. There you go. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to slide out of here. We're coming back in a minute. We'll get uh, Representative Marika Coleman in here to discuss a few items. Uh, and uh, then, uh, you know, we'll wrap up with right wing nuts and all sorts of other uh, goodness. Mm. So back in a minute, Alabama politics this week. Hey, everybody. If you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at uh, Alabama Politics this week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, Shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about, uh, I don't know, what what everybody likes to drink or uh, where everybody likes to hang out or whatever, whatever your question may be. Uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm elections? Uh, shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com. apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. We are excited now to, uh, to have with us again uh, Representative Marika Coleman, soon to be uh, State Senator uh, Marika Coleman. Um, uh, be bad, yeah. <laughs> just keep saying it loud right keep saying it loud um, but yeah, that's right that's right we're, hey, before we get in because we were going to uh, when, when I contacted you about coming on this week I wanted to talk about redistricting because I know you're you're involved in that uh, on the Democratic side of things and uh, and also the state Senate campaign but uh, we've been talking about this this Board of Education vote today to ban the teaching of critical race theory and basically ban uh, the teaching of accurate history uh, in, in Alabama's public schools. I just, I, you know, I, what are, when you hear me say that, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a little bit disheartening, especially um, last year when the majority of people in the state of Alabama, 70 plus percent, and the state of Alabama voted to remove the racist language from the Alabama state constitution. So I was bragging about our state now going into the 21st century, I believe the last time that I um, talked with you all. And so now to look at the top educators in the state of Alabama um, making a political statement, because that's what it is. Um, the, 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 the curriculum or the core curriculum doesn't include critical race theory. So what they're doing now is kowtowing to um, this national narrative and, and, and getting into the national narrative. Well, we don't even have the, the problem if they, um, I wish people could see me with air quotes, um, um, uh, the problem <laughs> um, that's going on nationally. So why make it even an issue? So it's unfortunate. It's sad. Um, and it's disingenuous. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, if it's not a part of the, the 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 curriculum of the state of Alabama, why then do you need a resolution ban in it? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm with you, and and I, I'll say this too, uh, you know, just to take it a step further, it's you know the idea that you would need to ban it, even if it were part of the curriculum, right. is you know it's it's a it's an honest examination of of race and and its influence in uh, different institutions throughout our state government and throughout our federal government. So why you know what what what's scaring people so much about that? I just I've never understood it. I don't know. I don't know, Josh. Our history is our history. Um, we've um, not been fair and we've not been good to all people in this country. You have to acknowledge what the, the history of this country is so we actually can do better. So future generations do not um, go back to the wrongs of the past. But if we don't want to teach our actual history, you'll end up reverting back. You'll end up um, having some of those same things um, happen again. I wish I could remember that saying that my grandmother used to 
um, to used to say, but I just can't remember uh, it. Is it uh, something like uh, those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it? Something yeah, like that. That's what I was looking for. Mm. So yeah. I think we, we have to we have to take a fair assessment of who we are in Alabama. Um, has uh, been a part of some amazing things that have happened in this country, but also not some so amazing things. And it's unfortunate that right now, um, Alabama Republicans, and I'm just, I'm not even being partisan, it just is what it is, now are um, waving the bland banner of this national narrative on critical race theory when we already have a bad image nationally. <laughs> um, people already think about Alabama they think about separatism. They think about racism. Um, last year, I was going, we are 21st century Alabama now. You know, we're moving forward. And then to have people kind of take us back and for them to feed into some of that national um, narrative that um, we are still a separative state is very unfortunate. Hmm. So, Representative Coleman, uh, speaking of that, uh, Mayor uh, Stephen Reed is really championing this anti-discrimination ordinance for the city of Montgomery, and he believes it'll be transformative. It's wide-sweeping, encompasses not just race, but gender identity, sexual orientation, religion, age, disability, quotient, all of these things. Uh, what, what, what's your feeling? Do you also believe that this is something that could further transform the image of our state, even though we still obviously, as you just said, have some real struggles with, with projecting a, 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 a tolerant image? Yeah. So, uh, sure. Um, we haven't done it at the, the state level, so um, we're going to actually really have to rely on uh, local governments to do the work. Um, why do I say that? Um, I've sponsored legislation. Also, Representative Chris England have, uh, sponsor, has sponsored res- uh, legislation on anti-discrimination before. Um, um, where folks got hung up was sexual orientation. It's unfortunate in 2021 um, with uh, uh, all of these educated people um, that we still have, um, we're, we're, we're still in the 20th century. I'll put it that way. So since we're not doing it on the state level, we're really going to have to rely on the local governments to do just that. Birmingham years ago, um, prior to, and I have to give credit where credit is due, I worked with um, former council president Jonathan Austin, um, and we worked on some um, um, anti-discrimination resolutions for the city of Birmingham. So if we have to do it city by city, county by county, Let's make some movement forward. And for those areas, at least saying, you know, uh, welcome to the state of Alabama. I mean, in Birmingham and Jefferson County, we have the World Games coming. Mm-hmm. These people coming from all over the world will literally have all of their cameras on what's going on in Birmingham and in Alabama. And so, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that folks have talked about critical race theory and are going into that national narrative. But there are opportunities where, with our local governments now to show that that's not who we are as a state. In its totality. So, you know, as a follow-up representative, it seems to me that the argument that all that that Republicans and conservatives always respond to uh, with a quickness is the economic argument. If you can frame something as it, it being a, a, a boon to the economy, then they then they could then suddenly they see the light. I mean, that's what happened with prisons, right? So 
I know that uh, Mayor Reed is trying to, in his argument, one of his his uh, one of the facets of his argument is, you know, what this can potentially do for the economy uh, and opening it up. Uh, you know, what do you encounter when conservative Republicans are presented with that part of the argument or, or have you even engaged with them? Uh, with that part of the argument as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've had some of those discussions. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I, I'm a truth teller. Um, a lot of my constituents, a lot of my constituents, a lot of my colleagues in the legislature um, do actually get it, believe it or not. Um, they get it, especially when we're talking about economic development. It's one of those issues that, you know, Democrat, Republican, Black, white, male, female, rich, poor, um, we can sing kumbaya to talk about in any new development or new industry that's coming to the state of Alabama. So some of them get it. The unfortunate thing is that I don't feel like many of them have the political courage to um, uh, go against their constituency who might not get it. Um, there are some folks, um, I, I heard a statistic, I don't even know where this came from, a statistic, a statistic one time that there was like 15% of the population that's just outright racist. It doesn't matter what the issue is. Um, uh, again, I don't know the source of that. Um, but many of them evidently have that strong constituency right now, that white supremacy constituency that's really loud. Um, and so what we've got to do is cover some folks that would like to be able to work with on us on diversity and inclusion issues to make sure that we actually do give them some political cover because the, the loudest voices right now are those negative voices, and we've got to give them some political cover. You know, and I apologize that um, uh, that, that you can't see me anymore. I, my, uh, apparently, my AT&T internet is not working well enough for me to keep a connection here. So, uh, but uh, <laughs> speaking of businesses coming into the state, uh, but, you know, I, I wonder, uh, well, I don't wonder, I know that a lot of the uh, the history that we, we talked about earlier with with critical race and, and some of the discrimination as well uh, plays into how our district lines are drawn. Um, um, and we're, we're getting ready to do this again. Uh, Republicans are going to be in control of drawing these lines. Uh, so they're, they're not going to hurt themselves, uh, obviously. Um, and I wonder when you go into that room and you, and you talk to them, because I, uh, listen, I, I think that a lot of people, uh, they suspect, but they don't really know that, that there are uh, cordial conversations. There are professional conversations that occur between Republicans and Democrats, even among the folks that are the farthest to the left and the farthest to the right. Uh, uh, it, when they get it behind closed doors most of the time, they can act like adults for the most part. I mean, some can't. You, you, we all know who they are. Uh, but some, you know, some most people can. So when, when you're going to go into that room, what do you do? You think that there's a way that we can uh, that we can better do this for people to be, to have a better representation of the actual voting public? Because what we have now is not. I mean, you look at the totals. Uh, you look at the totals for votes on statewide races. Democrats are not represented in the numbers that they're voting. Uh, so is there a way to do this to make it more fair? And can you force them to do it? Yeah, so um, this, the, let me take this, the second portion of it first, where you asked about the forcing. Um, if you remember um, before, I've, I've been serving for a long time now, um, so this is my second redistricting. So 2010 was the last one. And the Black Caucus ultimately ended up having to sue 
um, and then the, the, the courts forced um, um, the body to, um, uh, to redraw those lines. So there is a process. And the only way we can do that is if all of us are together, when if all minorities or all of those people that feel as if they were disenfranchised are together, um, then we have some, some legs to stand on when it comes to a court case. So that's, that's number one um, uh, in answering your second question first. The first portion of it is um, as a body, um, when we're talking about our individual di districts, sure, it's, it's very cordial. Like literally you go in a room, you talk with the chairs um, of the, the, um, the committees about what particular um, precincts you like and so on and so forth. That's, that's a, the, a portion of it. But we've got to get beyond us as individuals wanting per to protect a particular district. What we've lost, um, and I'm gonna and I'm talk race now, what we have lost is what we call influence districts. Um, my district, um, most of the African-American districts are stacked and packed right now. So my district went from 56% African-American, I was, I was able to be successful in a district that was 56% African-American, to now almost 70% African-American. Um, one of my colleagues, I know his district is about 72% African-American, where traditionally, um, if you have at least 25% of minorities in an area, they can have some level of influence. We do refer to those as influence districts. We've lost all of those. Therefore, now we've lost all the white Democrats, um, pretty much. We only have two out of 140 members two white Democrats left, one um, in the House and one in the Senate, and they actually represent majority um, African-American districts. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's... So we, yeah, so we don't, um, um, we don't, we don't, we don't have those influence districts anymore. And so what does that mean? That doesn't necessarily mean Democrat or Republican. That's not what I'm, I don't want people to think I mean Democrat. What I mean is different pe who, people who look differently having the opportunity to have a real conversation with their legislator. Um, so their legislator gets a chance to see what it's like for how the others live. We have a district that is 93% white, 93% white. Um, and it may not have a lot of low income folks in it. Your frame of thinking may be to support and to protect that group of people. When we have those influence districts where minorities, and more low-income folks have an opportunity to be represented by that, that legislator. That legislator then has to broaden his or her um, you know, uh, perception of what we ought to be doing as a state. I hope that makes sense. But we, oh, absolutely we've, got to, does. we've got to unpack um, to where we have um, a, a good, diverse-looking district. Yeah. Yeah. And, and listen, I'll, I'll say this. If, if people doubt the, uh, the impact of influence districts, Take a look at, at Atlanta and the surrounding suburbs. Exactly. Um, many of those suburbs around Atlanta were were Republican strongholds uh, mm -hmm. for for years, uh, and the, but all of a sudden, you know, the, there's the, the outgrowth from Atlanta started to include more minority voters and and more minority residents, and the people around them started to say, "Hey." You know, these are our friends and neighbors here. Our friends. Uh, our kids we, go to get to school together. We play soccer together. I know right. that. 
Yeah, exactly. And and so all of a sudden the priorities shift in those in those sorts of districts in those counties and uh and it and it changes the whole outlook of things, which is I think, you know, obviously striking a lot of fear in Republicans and you you understand why they're doing what they're doing, but uh it is I know you address it is court the only way to make sure this is going to happen? Right now, because, you know, we lost um, as a, a portion of the Voting Rights Act, the preclearance portion also. Um, there are lots of organizations out there right now that are um, putting maps together. I'm very proud of how engaged the public is. So, yeah, there is another process. I mean, if the public really, really um, um, puts some pressure on the Republicans, um, I'm hoping <laughs> that you listen to the people that you represent. Um, those meetings, there'll be meetings all over the state of Alabama for the public to be able to come in. Now, I have an issue with some of those meetings because they're, um, you know, at the times where people are working. But if there's any way that people can actually um, um, participate, and again, they're in all counties across the state. Um, um, I think ours in Jefferson County may be like the first part of September at Lawson State at two o'clock in the afternoon, um, which I I have an issue with. Um, But still, if you can make it to those meetings, um, let your voices be heard. Let Republicans know who are leading the effort. That's who's actually leading the the effort. I was looking at the makeup of the district earlier, and it's like one third um, Democrats to two third Republicans. And that ends up, you know, racially ends up being, you know, one third African-Americans to two thirds um, um, Caucasians in the state of Alabama that are doing the the redistricting. So the public is going to have to say that, this is what we want. We want those influence districts. We want more diversity and who represents us at the state level. And do remember, we do more than just, um, you know, our our legislative districts. We do the congressional districts and the county commission districts as well. Right. Well, uh, I, I was going to wrap up with you with just one question, and that is why, why you're running for state senate. So um, I have had the privilege of serving um, in the Alabama House now um, going into my 20th year. So uh I wish they could see me and say, know that I was only about 12 years old when I first started there. Well, actually, I was 20 years old <laughs> when I was first elected. Um, it's the only a, a life that my children know that are now 21 years old and 23, almost 24. My state senator um, has informed me that she is not going to run again. And um, it would be a privilege to be able to serve a larger group of people. The Senate is uh, roughly three times um, larger than um, the House of Representatives and still feel like I have some work to do. Um, we've still got some issues that we need to move forward um, in the state of Alabama. And I feel like I could have more of a powerful voice in the state Senate, um, one of 35 as opposed to one of 105. So I'm excited, my family is excited. I've gotten great reception. From the district and we're we're ready to win this race on may 24th 2020 2022 that's right yeah that's uh, well listen we could use more women over there there's no doubt about that because the men aren't exactly getting done i try to get you guys to understand that you know when you have women that are representing you all we are we are nurturing um we try to do what's best for the most amount of people so we do need some more women um serving in the legislature so uh, thank you guys Absolutely. always for allowing me to come on and um look i guess i look forward to the next time All yes right. ma'am thank you for coming on Take i know you, i know you're pressed but uh that is uh, uh representative like coming she's great uh thank you again uh we'll, we'll, we'll get you back on soon and uh and uh and good luck with the campaign y'all, y'all get out and vote for her uh, thank for you y'all take care Bye bye.
she's uh, she's good, and uh, she knows her stuff, and uh, and she'll be a welcome voice over in the in the Senate. Um, uh, so it, uh, you know, it's, so it's, it's it's what what are her uh, what are, what are her chances? I don't know. I don't know a lot about the the politics of the area where she's going to run. What do you think her chances are? I, w- I would be shocked if she's not your next senator for that district. Uh, okay. That was uh, Priscilla Dunn's district there. Um, it, it's it's one of the more evenly split districts, as she's mentioned, but uh, that it's still it's pretty uh, it's a pretty good Democratic stronghold. Uh, and that's where where is she? Uh, Shelby County, or I mean, not Shelby, but uh, Jefferson County, and, oh. and I think a portion of it reaches into Shelby a little bit, but okay. Uh, uh, it's it's all in that in that same general area around there okay. in Jefferson County. So, uh, but yeah, it's a it, it's a it's a pretty evenly split uh, racial wise. Uh, but uh, it, it's uh, Priscilla Dunn's been been representing that district for for a long time, and um, so she's a uh, she's going to step aside. And, uh, and I think you know, I, like I said, I'd be shocked if, uh, if Marika is not the the one who ends up in that in that seat. So okay. and she'll be she'll be good. She'll be good in the Senate. She's been good in the House for a long time. And mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think she'll she'll be a good voice there for everybody. So. All right. I'll tell you what, we, we got a lot of other things to cover. So we're going to we're going to slide out. We'll come back and uh, and start uh, with because uh, uh, I want to I, I actually want to talk more about Stephen Reed's uh, ordinance that he's trying to get passed in Montgomery. Um, and then and also the. <laughs> Uh, the the stuff that's happening with COVID still, uh, the ICU bed shortage, and uh, and then our our friends in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, uh, up there. So, all right, let's slide out. We'll be back in a minute. Alabama politics this week. Hey, everybody, if you wouldn't mind, uh, go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a nice rating and review, or maybe not even a nice one, just a rating and a review. Uh, just let us know what you think about the podcast, and uh, we've gotten to where we read some of these reviews on the air, because some of them are uh, pretty funny and uh, clever, so be funny, clever, and you'll get your uh, review read on the air, and uh, the rating helps us out a little bit as well. So if you don't mind, leave us a nice rating and a review, or terrible rating and a review, whatever you'd like to do. However you feel about the podcast, we appreciate your, your input, and uh, thanks for listening as always. All right, welcome back in Alabama politics this week. Uh, it was good with uh, with Miss Coleman. Uh, Absolutely, she was, yeah, she's, she's always a, great. Yeah, she is. She, I mean, she really does. I mean, she's. You ask her a question, even you know, because uh, yeah, out of the blue, and uh, and she she give you an answer, man. That she knows she knows what's going on. Um, yeah. you brought up some stuff though in the in the midst of that. Um, mm-hmm. The Stephen Reed, Mayor of Montgomery, has introduced a uh, uh, anti-discrimination ordinance uh, that's uh, causing some controversy and stir in the uh, capital city. Uh, they, they tried to—I I, want to say—tried to get it passed a couple of weeks ago uh, at, a, at a city council meeting, and the uh, they put him off. Um, and and they've had some arguments about this thing since uh, over it uh, because. You know, I guess people want to be able to discriminate, um, but it is—it mm. it does go—it does go mm. farther than a lot of other ordinances do. Uh, you know, Birmingham does have a, an anti-discrimination ordinance as well. Uh, you know, and 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 it's it's a pretty comprehensive thing, uh, but it's uh, I think Reeds goes a little bit further uh, and does a little bit more. And I, 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 you know, I can't see why you would be against such a thing. I don't either. I don't see any any reason because we're just talking about giving people opportunity 
and ensuring that people are treated with equity. That's all that's all that's all this really is. So, you know, why should anybody be against that? I mean, that's the kind of stuff you're taught in kindergarten or Sunday school or something. Why would anybody be against that kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we got people who feel like there's certain groups, you know, that are uh that are gaining an advantage. And, and like uh, Representative Coleman said, it usually comes down to either race or sexual orientation uh, or gender identity, something in that, in that, in that grouping. Uh, and, and people are hypersensitive about those areas where, where they wouldn't be otherwise. And, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, and I think quite honestly, I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with a misunderstanding uh, you know, in our state especially, I think a lot of it has to do with a misunderstanding of the Bible, a misunderstanding of the Bible and of of what and and what is taught in uh, Christianity. You know, and um, and I say a misunderstanding because I know that there are some people who will say, well, if you look at the Bible, it says this and this about you know homosexual sex, or your church teaches that and that. But uh, but, you know, there's as I've pointed out to people, there is not a uniform understanding among theologians, first of all, about what those passages even mean. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are some theologians that say they mean things that fit the kind of conventional bigoted sort of thinking that is out there. And there's some theologians that have an entirely different interpretation of that. But even if you want to just get out of the, the murky theological debate about what these passages mean. You know, the overarching teaching of the Bible is that we're supposed to love people unconditionally. Mm-hmm. So for those who use their Christian faith as their reason for thinking that it's okay to discriminate against gay people or, or LGBTQ people to not give them the same opportunities that everybody else has. Well, that goes against the overarching teaching of Christianity, unconditional love. And, and you can say what you want about, you know, some of these other, you know, biblical debates that go on, but that's the overarching teaching. So it seems to me like everything that we pursue for those of us who are using our Christian faith as a standard, everything that we pursue ought to be lined up against that, you know, theological debates aside. And if you can't do that, then I would question whether or not you even understand the Bible that you say you believe in. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm <laughs> honestly, man, I, you know, I, I it, you, you're, you're far more knowledgeable about the you know the religious aspects of things and um you know and the, the teachings of the, of the bible and stuff so I, I don't i don't get into that but i, I know the the basics uh and um uh, and i know what's supposed to be the overarching theme of of the bible and the, the teach the teachings uh, specifically of, of jesus and you know and um and i know it ain't that you know what i mean i know it ain't i know it ain't the the discrimination of, uh, against people and um um, and you know, you're not, you know, it's, it's, here's the other thing that, that really has always bugged me is this notion among uh, conservatives mostly, all right. It's, it's mostly conservatives that my saying you can't discriminate against somebody 
is not discriminating against you. Okay. All right. That's not that, uh, you know, when I say you're, you're forced to serve black people in your restaurant, that's not discrimination against you as a white person who doesn't want to serve, you know, because of your religious beliefs, uh, or you don't want to serve gay people, uh, that, that it's not discrimination to say, well, you're either going to serve everybody and not discriminate against people, uh, based on their sexual orientation, uh, you know, based on, because of some religious out in this thing, or you're not going to get a business license to operate here. Okay. Right. Uh, right. because, and, and you know what? We do have the authority to do that because we do, as a society, provide you with services that you would ordinarily not be privy to without your your existence within this society. Uh, you know, those streets and sidewalks and uh, sewer systems and all those things, they didn't happen by accident. All right. Everybody paid into that. Uh, some might call it socialism. Uh, but, you know, we all paid into these things. And so if you want to participate in that society and you want to participate in those norms like that, then and you want to buy a business license and operate on a street somewhere in our society, then you're going to behave in a certain manner, which treats everybody equally. Nobody's saying you've got to become a, you know, a gay advocate or something That's out right. of this thing. Yeah. But you know what? You do got to bake the damn cake. Well, appa- mm. but apparently you don't anymore, according <laughs> to the Supreme Court. Uh, so you know, but um, yeah. uh, you know, and, and the I tell you the other thing that you that you can't do uh, is uh, apparently uh, discriminate against somebody who's not been vaccinated. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, that's and, right. And so right now in the state of Alabama, you can discriminate against a gay person, but you cannot discriminate against somebody who might come in and spread a deadly virus throughout your business. Insane, uh, isn't it? It is. Insane. In, insane indeed. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I applaud what, what uh, Mayor Reed is doing, um, and, and I think ultimately it'll uh, it'll pass because I think the city does, does want the support of businesses around the country. Uh, they want to attract them. They want to be, they want to be able to say, Hey, we're, uh, we're, we're a progressive city that's moving forward and we don't discriminate. And I, and I think also that there are a lot of good people in Montgomery who want to do the right thing. Uh, you know, it, it hadn't always been that way as we well know from, from all the movies, we've all seen the movies. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think that they're, they're on their way, uh, up, and I and I think that uh, that Mayor Reed has has played a big role in that, and and I think this will will move him further. Um, so you know, I yeah, hope it goes. I hope it yeah, passes. I hope so too. And I think he's he's doing. It, it seems to me like he's really not over overly concerned about the politics. It seems like he's actually saying this is for the people, the betterment of this city. And I'm taking the long view here as mayor and, you know, I'm going to push for this because it, it not only is it the right thing to do, but it's the economically smart thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right about that. And I'll, I'll say this about Stephen. And, and this is one of the reasons why I thought that um, he would be he would be one of my choices to, to run for U.S. Senate um, is I like. I like the middle finger in the air attitude. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and I'm not saying he's done that. I'm just saying I like the unapologetic. This is what I think is right. This is what I'm going to do. This is what people want. Uh, this is what the majority of people want. And I'm not listening to you bunch of squeaky wheels over here uh, who are in the minority that always think you're in the majority. But and you scream the loudest. Uh, but the majority of people want to treat each other with respect and, and compassion and kindness uh, in this state, even if the, there's a whole group of loud people over here clamoring against it. We're going to do this anyways. And, uh, you know, we're not going to apologize for it. Uh, we're not going to we're not going to 
stand here and, and mealy mouth the thing. We're going to do what, what, what we think is right. And that to me is something I, I, you know, man, if you look at it, if you look at it nationally, you, the Democrats rarely, rarely get ahead when, when you have somebody who, who does the, the kind of mealy mouth, moderate kind of thing. Uh, you know, it is usually it's the kind of punch you in the mouth type people that get further ahead in this uh, with, with the policies. You know, it wasn't. Listen, Joe Biden was is is kind of a perfect example because he was that guy. He was that that mealy mouth kind of moderate, and and then he was forced during the primaries to change and push himself farther to the left. Uh, on a lot of issues, uh, issues that he never would have been for in the past and never would have pushed in the past. And he's been held to those things. And I think that that has, has caused a uh, the spike in his popularity overall. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think that's, 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 that's pretty much true. I think he was definitely, um, he faced a base that was vocal and that was adamant about certain things. And so he had to, uh, he had to respond. And, and that's the way politics is supposed to work. I mean, it's not really supposed to be a top-down proposition. It's supposed to be a bottom-up proposition, you know, emanating from the people and then putting the pressure on the leaders to, got, you know, to follow the lead of the people. So that's, that's the way it's supposed to work. You know, Stephen, and we've talked about, you know, Stephen as a, a senatorial candidate, and I agree that he would be a great senatorial candidate, but I would hate to see him, in all candor, I would really hate to see him leave the city of Montgomery without having fulfilled, uh, you know, his um, his obligation to that city. And, um, I mean, we could say, I mean, because 2022 would not constitute one term for him, would it? I mean, he's he's, if I remember correctly, isn't he facing... Re-election. He's facing re-election in 2022. Is that not right? I I I don't think. I think that if I'm not mistaken, and I should know better because I was in Montgomery for so long. But I believe their elections are in off years. Uh, like I want to say, like in odd years. Uh, yeah. So he was elected in 2019. So his his next one will come up in 2023. Uh, so we'll so they they do theirs in off years. Okay, so 2023. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I would hate to see him. I would hate to see him abandon his uh, you know, his the city of Montgomery for a senatorial run. I'd I'd much rather see him, you know, complete his term and actually because I think he's such a sharp guy, I actually wish he would take another term uh in order to to f- see some things through. We know there's going to be a lot of a lot more economic development down there because of what Brian Stevenson is embarking on with this new museum and so forth. Uh, I'd like to see him in place with a, with a strong mandate to protect what Brian is doing and help to facilitate that as well as hopefully what will be, um, you know, hopefully what will be his, um, his legacy after this this uh, ordinance passes, hopefully, uh, and I know that he could he could uh, I know that he could run for senate and then uh, and still run for reelection. I get that, but I just I would hate to see him run for senate and win, 
and then he's out. I mean, I just uh, I, I gotta tell not, you, man, I'm not cool. Him running for Senate and winning, I don't care what, <laughs> what happens anywhere else. Uh, you know, well, if he's uh, I mean, if, if he's if he's our U.S. He, senator, I, I I trust that the folks in Montgomery can get somebody else in in there and in, in the mayor's office uh, to run the city in kind of the same well, way because I, I think know, they're headed in that direction. Well, and that and that's possible. That's possible. But I, I just personally, I I guess I feel like uh, I don't like to see. Um, yeah, it's just me. I don't like to see these politicians sort of window shopping for offices. I just, if you say you want to be mayor, you say you want to be senator, or whatever it is you're trying, you're saying you want to be, then be that. You know, if you if you get elected to that, then fulfill your term. That's now maybe that makes me an old fogey, as we used to say, but that's just kind of how I look at it. I no, I understand that. I. I do. I really do understand that. Uh, and I'm not just saying that and then, and then going to add a butt in on the end of it, but I am going to add a butt. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, I, I will say in this particular instance, I think that the mindset is I'm probably not going to win this. Uh, you know, it would take um, uh, something really weird going down for the Democrat, no matter who it is. Uh, to beat the Republican, no matter who it is, as we just saw with the Doug Jones, Tommy Tuberville race. So, um, you know, I think that it's it's unlikely that it, the Democratic candidate is going to win. And I think that's what that would be the benefit of a, of a Stephen Reed or a Randall Woodfin or somebody uh, along those lines doing this, because you're not really giving up the the mayoral seat that you have that you have and you're still going to be coming back and fulfilling those duties but you are you know getting some name recognition building the party and i think in reed's case being on a national sort of a stage and treating it the way i know he would treat it uh and saying the things and challenging the republican uh, nominee for this thing i that to me strikes a tone that that the Democratic Party could build on going forward for in the future. Uh, I think both of those guys, Woodfin and and Reed, could could do that. I, I th- and honestly, I, I really think Reed could do it better. I think he's a little more outspoken, a little more fearless on those sorts of things. And I think it gives you an idea, a face sort of a, a thing for the for the party. Not, not necessarily Reed's face, but uh, the things that he's going to say in the platform that he's going to hold. Uh, to me, is is a way to to carry it forward a kind of a more direct in your face here's our position and we're not apologizing for shit anymore uh sort of thing you've seen what these guys have done the last 10 years why why in the hell are you still living that way uh that's what you know to me gets things done you know you we can look what we've done in montgomery we we can operate without discrimination we can operate with a black mayor we can operate and treat people with fairness and kindness we can have a police department that respects people and we can attract businesses and people and it'll, uh, lift everybody from the bottom up and you know that's the sort of messaging and things that i think that that needs to be focused on more but you know i i just i don't know uh, that that to me is is the reason why I would say that uh, that's the reason why I've added the butt on the end of my. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> so, uh, uh, all right. So uh, the the other thing that that I wanted to to just touch on here because we we have to every week is uh, the rising COVID numbers. Uh, and I mean, there are no ICU beds remaining in 
in Montgomery, Mobile, Dothan, Baldwin County. Uh, that uh, at a press conference on Thursday, uh, Scott Harris, the state health officer, said that uh, that they expect the, that problem to slowly make its way north in the state, and uh, eventually every single um, county and, and major city will have uh, similar issues, whether or not you run, they run completely out of ICU beds or just get down real close. Uh, it's going to be a problem because currently there are only 5% of ICU beds available uh, in the state. So, um, you know, it is, and I wrote a column about this for thir- for Thursday too, which said this has been, if you look at this objectively, this has been an abject failure of leadership and governance by the Alabama Republican Party up and down the line. Uh, there have been a few lone voices of reason. Tommy Tuberville is one of them. And I listen, I'll say this, um, I, you know, I, it doesn't make up for all the other idiocy that he's done, but but Tommy Tuberville and his voice of reason and the way he is. I'm, the other day, the guy held an interview with doctors about getting the vaccine and answering questions about it, for God's sakes. Hey, I mean, he's not just doing, you know, just casually walking by TV cameras and saying, get the vaccine. I mean, he's out there actually holding events and encouraging people to do this. Um, and and I, I think it's great. And, and he doesn't get enough congratulations from everybody for doing what he's doing. Um, and, uh, and you know, and Kay Ivey for a while did the same thing. But uh, so you're not just saying that because he used to be the coach of Auburn, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, we we did not part on good terms. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, just checking, uh, just yeah. Checking. Uh, uh, so he, I mean, he didn't leave me at a restaurant with a bill or anything, but you know, uh, he did some recruits. But you know, it's, uh, <laughs> but no, I think you're I, right, though. I think I, right. I do. I do. I, 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 I'll, I'll say this uh, repeatedly over and over again. It, it, this is not the position of his party. It, it is not something that his voters are, are happy with him about. And uh, despite all of that, the man is going out and doing it anyway. And that is, I'm honestly, God, I'm going to have to write a column about him, you know, praising him, uh, because that is what we are asking Republicans to do in these situations and in other situations where they know uh, information that voters hold is wrong. Uh, and is harmful to them. We're asking them to take a stand for them and to say, "Hey, this isn't right. Here's what here's here's the truth about this. Let, let me show you what the truth is." Um, and so, you know, listen. I know that he's not in any real political risk at this point, and but that makes it, you know, that doesn't make it any any better or any worse. I, I think that doing the right thing should be congratulated, and I'm uh, you know I'm doing it for him, and uh, you know, and that's you know, I, I know that our Democratic friends have done this from the start. Um, you know, and I'm not saying it's, it was easier for them because they've taken a lot of flack too. Uh, but you know, uh, I, I just think in, in Tuberville's case, it is so against the grain for his constituency to hear him say what he's saying and do what he's doing at such a level and take it on the way he has it is something, you know, listen, to, he's fighting bammers basically. Okay. Um, so, uh, but you know, you want to say that I, word one more time? What did you what did you call them? Bammers. Bammers. Okay. Yeah. Big bammers. Okay. Is uh, there but, is is that in Webster's? What what does that mean for those? Who uh, don't know? It's just a it's just a kind of a derogatory term for an Alabama fan. Uh, the bammers. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you know, I we're we're at a point, man, where you, you look at this now, and and outside of those few people, um, you know. 
You, you got nobody lead, that's leading the way on this, on this crisis that's taking place. It's killed you know, roughly 12,000 people in this state over the, uh, the last 18 months. And, and you've got nobody that's taken any short, sort of a leadership role uh, here, uh, including the governor's office at this point. She, I'm mean, honestly, God, she's in a bunker somewhere. I don't know what the hell's going on there. Um, and, and, and so we're left with this just complete dereliction of duty, basically. Um, and, and, and there's, who do you lean on? I mean, what do you, what do you do? There's nobody, they're not, they have no vaccine plan. They have no plan, uh, for, for the hospitals. They've not expanded Medicaid. They've not devoted any sort of resources to hospital. Everything that we've, that we've managed to do has come by way of the federal government. All right. The, and, and mostly Democrats. I mean, I'll, I'll give Trump some credit for for helping speed along the manufacturing of this virus by devoting the funds to to, to the private companies that developed it. Uh, but you know, the rollout of the thing, the the delivery of it, the the planning of it, the gut, sending people to states to help them with things. It's all been the Biden administration, and and that's the only way pe- a lot of these red states are even surviving at this point. Yeah, and of course, while Trump did uh, play a major role in. Uh, expediting the vaccine, he also played a major role in undermining the vaccine and undermining masking. You know, he's been the, the, you know, he's just, he's been a villain more than a victor or hero in in any sense of the word here when it comes to this vaccine. Yeah. And uh, and the son bitch nearly died. That's what kills me. I mean, you've seen him him standing on the steps of the White House. He couldn't hardly breathe, you know? Yeah. And and it's, and it's still maintain this facade out there. Of, 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 it's just so ridiculous and absurd. And uh, and I, I just, I, I, it's literally killing y'all. All right, the Republican governance is literally killing y'all. Uh, and it just doesn't it doesn't seem to phase anybody. They they don't seem to care uh, whatsoever. Um, as a matter of fact, they are they're now gathering in parking lots and accosting doctors. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't even know what to think about that, that deal in Franklin, Tennessee. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, um, it's really disturbing. It's troubling. And I would say it's, it's especially troubling, Josh, because we're not just talking about random people. We're talking about parents of children, parents Mm -hmm. whose children they're going to be going to school up there and they're adamant about their children not being forced to wear masks. I mean, my God, it's almost like they're playing Russian roulette with their own children. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you, you've not seen this video, correct? Of the, of the folks. I have not seen the video. I've read the account. I have not seen the video. Uh, the video is worse than, than the, than the account of it. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, I, 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 so they're all standing in a parking lot outside of this building in Franklin after a school board meeting. Um, emerging from a door, when the video starts, the one, the one that I posted on, on my Facebook page, that emerging from the door from, from this meeting room is a doctor, uh, a local doctor, who is also a parent of a child in the school system. And everybody's taking notes, buddy. Keep that little smug. Yeah. And he has been he had talked to the board about the uh the benefit of wearing masks in school. 
and and say and telling them that it it is helpful for for children to have on school a uh, mask. It it does seem to uh, there's an indication through studies and whatnot that it has slowed the spread of virus in those particular school in school among among kids. And so he emerges from the door, and there are all these people there, and they are screaming and yelling at this guy uh, and telling him. We know, we know who you are. We know who you are. Uh, you can leave, but we're gonna find you. We know who you are. We know who you are. No more masks. Keep it calm. Keep it calm. No more masks. We're on these guys' side. They're on our side. No, they're not. They're not on our side. The police are on our side. The police are on our side. Let's calm down. Yes. Calm down. We know who you are. We know who you are. We know who you are. You can leave freely, but we will find. You and he's got to have a, a, literally has to have a police escort to his car uh, over this over masks for God's sakes masks you know he didn't go in there and say well, listen we got to start cutting off the kids ears he said masks <laughs> I mean it just doesn't what are you what are we doing I mean, these are our right-wing nuts of the week here, the, the, all these people in the parking lot uh, of this thing. And, and it is, it's it's embarrassing. Um, I, you know, Franklin, Tennessee is one of the, one of the widest and one of the wealthiest cities in America. Um, and, and I can only assume that those people there are so accustomed to not being told no that, that's what led to this. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I don't know, man. It's, hey, uh, hey, hey, Josh, I'm looking at the video now. It is insane, man. Yeah. It's insane. Oh, it's, it's, it's it was the this craziest, one woman. One of the craziest yeah. There, there was this one woman I'm, I'm assuming was a parent, uh, because I don't have the sound on obviously since we're, you know, doing the podcast, but there's this one woman that was screaming at this guy. I mean, it almost reminded me of, some of those images that you see in 19 in the from the 1960s and 50s of angry whites when when black children were were trying to integrate schools mm-hmm. you know that same kind of uh th- those twisted angry faces uh, you know spewing vitriol that's that's what i'm seeing here it's crazy yeah, it is you know as and i and i put uh, i posted on twitter uh, earlier in the week that i I would be interested in some sort of a study, maybe a critical theory uh, <laughs> uh, that that might lead to a better understanding of how uh, that group of people of entitled people in that parking lot ended up having such anger and hatred for someone who simply went in and gave his opinion about the health and well-being of their children. Uh, you know, this guy didn't go in there and say, "The hell with your kids. Let's put, let's put them in a parking lot in the hot sunshine in a car during the middle of the day. He went in there and said, I think it'll say, it'll help your kids remain healthy if they put a mask on during school. And, and maybe your kid won't get sick. Maybe he won't have to go to the hospital. Maybe, you know, these things will happen. And, and I think this is what will help them remain, remain safe. That's what he went in and said. He was trying, he went in with the goal of keeping their children safe. Yeah. And did you see the, uh, at the very, well, I'm sure you did see it at the very end of the video, for those who haven't seen it, 
I guess this is one of the parents who's been railing and saying all whatever he was saying. So this this doctor is pulling off and this parent sticks out his middle finger at the guy while he's pulling off. I'm I just my God. I mean, what a great example of parenting. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> I mean, the whole thing, man, it's, that's what I'm saying is if you think of the context of this, this man, no personal gain, no. Uh, you know, the, the, he has nothing to gain from this. The, uh, matter of fact, given that he's a doctor, he might gain more financially if he let him get sick. You know, so I'd probably have to come to him to to get better, to get treated. And, and so it just, what I, I just don't understand. I don't understand the anger and outrage. That's what I can't wrap my head around is what's driving this insanity, this anger and outrage over people who simply go in and say, I think this will help you keep your kids safe. Yeah. I, it's I almost just, like it's um it's almost like they're infected with a virus or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh I, I mean it's just you know, right next door to us in Mississippi, they they're literally creating hospitals and parking decks now. You know, they're gonna put beds in and and it's, it's just like, oh man, if, if only there was some miracle drug that could stop all this. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. All right. Well, on that high note, I guess we'll. Well, hey, hey, I got something. I got something. Oh, oh yeah, high note? Should... Yeah, it's a high note. It's a funny high note. I think we oh. should share with people. Okay. Josh, on your Facebook page, you posted one of the funniest things uh, this week. Uh, it was uh, this little story about how your wife was trying to explain nicknames to your daughter. And so uh, your wife said to your daughter, Andy Lou is your nickname. And your daughter, Andy, says, no, my name is Andy Lou. And then your wife comes back and says, no, your real name is Anderson Louise. And then your daughter says, uh-uh, that's my trouble name. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. had me dying, my trouble name. That's hilarious. <laughs> She's right, man. That's when, when she gets herself into some trouble. That's what she hears. Anderson Louise. Uh, you know. <laughs> so uh, she's I mean, basically saying, uh, no, I do not want to be known by that. <laughs> yeah. A, Don't know, identify me that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you know, so it was, uh, cute. That was yeah, cute. It was, man. It, it reminded me. It, it, I laughed at that for, for hours. And uh, and it reminded me, honestly, of the uh, bit by the comedian that we, I guess, you know, we, we can't call his name uh, anymore. But uh, he said that for, for his entire life, he thought his name was Jesus Christ. Um, and, uh, you know, because that's what his dad oh. would open the, open the door up and say, Jesus Christ, get in here. And uh, yeah. you know, it was, uh, uh, and his, his brother thought his name was Damn It. Um, yeah. Damn it, what are you doing? Yeah. And uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, funny but, uh, routine. Actually, that was a funny routine. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, he had, he had some good stuff, man. That uh, those old comedy albums from from uh, from Bill were were really really funny. Um, and uh, but it, you know, man, it's uh, she is uh, she's funny. She's in school, uh, scared to death for for her. But uh, you know, she she goes to to daycare and uh, and she loves hanging out with her little friends. And uh, you know, and I hope she. Stays funny and and happy and healthy and safe, and that's all I think anybody wants. And and you know I, I would like it for for your kids as well, and for um, you know it just I, I and I don't understand the anger other than being angry that people are not doing all that they can 
to, to keep themselves, their family members, and the most vulnerable people in in America. You know, because you have, I think at this point it's kind of a duty of uh, to your country that you have uh, to to get the vaccine and and to and to or if you if you have real religious feelings or whatever about that to do the other things that we know keep you safe put on a mask stay the hell away from people don't spend a lot of time indoors um you know i i if, i think if we could do those things and get this thing behind us then i think everybody would be a hell of a lot happier and and i think that's what everybody wants here but, here yeah. here here all right oh so on that high note thank you david i appreciate that um yeah man that's uh, we'll uh, we're gonna slide out of here, and until next week, y'all be safe out there. Peace.